everyone. Welcome back or welcome to an all new episode of the 20% podcast. This is a show that brings you tips and tricks from industry professionals across all industries that you could implement in your current job today. This week's guest started as an SDR and worked her way all the way up to the head of sender relations. So she's worked her way from being a sales leader at Grubhub all the way up to, um, to the role that she has today. She helps businesses stand out against their competition and utilize direct mail to have touch points that accelerate the buyer's journey. Also, she's a self-proclaimed professional chaos, uh, chaos manager as a mother of two, which we may have some interruptions in the middle of today's episode. So she is very focused on putting humans before deals. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming the gift queen, Katie Penner. Katie, welcome to the show. <laughs> Oh, thank you. What an amazing introduction. I appreciate that. And I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. There's many things, much like sales and much like life, there's not much that you could actually control. Like, I don't know where this conversation will go. Much like we never know what a sales conversation is going to go. So the only thing that I can control is that introduction. So I try as my best humanly <laughs> possible, whether we're in sales or whether we're podcasting, start strong, and strong, and then hopefully you can have put a couple pieces together to make something coherent in the middle. So let's see if we could do that with today's episode as well. So Katie, talk to us. I know we were just talking a little bit more about um, earlier about um, some of the, you know, why you went into education, you know, in first place, but let's tell before even college at ASU, talk to us a little bit more about uh, what some of your childhood was like, and maybe some of those first initial jobs that maybe had a bigger impact on your life than you really thought about at the time. Yeah. So my first job was at a gelato shop. It was called Picamolo um, in, here in Texas. And I started working when I was 15. So the legal age was 16. I lied about my age. I was just really stoked to start working and making my own money. And, you know, uh, eventually they figured out I wasn't 16 and they didn't really care. But, you know, so yeah, I was, I was scooping ice cream and, um, you know, one of the really great things about that job and what I learned about myself is that when I work for a company that I love, of course, who doesn't love gelato? I get very deeply emotionally connected to that brand and its success. And so Picamolo, you know, we were, we were struggling for a little bit and I had this idea that we should get this gelato cart and take it to things like bar and bat mitzvahs to to weddings, things like that. And, you know, and thankfully it ended up kind of helping the business and we had this whole new stream of revenue. So I think that's like one of the first, it was my first job, but it was one of the first times that I realized just how passionate and into a job I could get. Um, so I did that for a while. That was an awesome job. Then I, I bartended for a bit, went into bartending when I got, um, a little older when I turned 18. So, you know, 16? I think, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Light about my age again. Um, no 18. And I, I obviously couldn't drink myself, but I could serve beer and whatnot. And, um, that I think taught me a lot of people skills, right? I had to learn how to navigate relationships and when people didn't get along, how to be a mediator and things like that. So, those were like my two main jobs before heading off to, to college and throughout college bartending kind of. I love that. And I, I don't know who couldn't get passionate about gelato. So yeah. if you're, it's, I always talk about really trying to align your passions to what your job is. And now I'm really just hungry for gelato. So thank you for that. Yeah, um, no all, problem. All, 
all joking aside on that though, I mean, I think it's really important because you're already starting to understand what additional revenue streams can we start developing, right? Like what are, what do we have the capabilities to do? Where else could we add on? I mean, that's a huge, you know, right now we're recording this in the beginning of 2024. Companies in the venture world and across SaaS and really any industry are not necessarily doing that well across the board and they need creative folks um, like Katie or like other, like some of those skills that you develop there are really foundational to some of the work that you're maybe not doing now specifically, but, um, but ultimately any type of revenue leading and, and yeah, I'm not, of course you're still doing that. Um, so, but the other thing too, I think is really interesting about um, the, the bartending side of things outside of like navigating relationships. Some of the big things that I see with those, uh, with people of the bartending is like, they learn how to upsell. They oh, learn God. how to know what those triggers are of saying like, hey, if I know that this person is going to have a drink, then odds are they're probably going to buy some more food. Or mm -hmm. if they get a dessert, I'm probably going to get a better tip, right? Yeah. If you have those other upsells or being able to provide value of saying, hey, people who have this kind of drink typically like this kind of food or have you tried this? There's so many different skills from like an upselling perspective <laughs> that you're you maybe hopefully you're, I mean, like, did you ever put those kind of thoughts together before? Yeah, absolutely. So there was a ton of like upselling right from the shelf flicker to top shelf, et cetera. Um, I worked at a dive bar, so there was no like food. If we had a food, it was like a crock pot with some pulled pork for people. Like it was a dive bar, um, but I made really good money there. I would also, you know, come up with these creative nights, right? Like we would pay for a karaoke guy to come in and bring in a bigger crowd, right? So it kind of like arguably learned about, you know, different promotions and how to draw in a crowd with social media through that bartending gig. Um, so that's kind of an interesting angle. And then also, I think I learned a lot about customer experience, right? So my regulars would come in again, this is a local dive bar. They would come in around the same time every day. So I would know like, okay, John's coming in. He wants a double crown on the rocks, right? So why don't I go ahead and chill this glass? And the second he walks in the door, it's ready for him in his seat. You know, so it's just experiences like that, that you could provide and like keep track of. And I think that that's probably like the biggest, biggest learning I took from that bartending experience was like, how do I elevate this, this dive bar experience and make them want to come see me during my shifts and form this like real authentic connection with them so that they just want to come back and spend money with me, you know? <laughs> yes. And the dive, I love that dive bar example because um, number one, I think like you're working with so many, I'm sure you've had a really diverse group of people that you were working with, right? Not no two yeah. people are going to be the exact same. I think that's one of the most crucial skills of being able to tailor your message to specific groups and audiences so that it's going to resonate with them the most. Um, and like you said, too, we want to make sure that they're happy so they keep coming back. If we know Katie is not doing a great job bartending, we may not actually come back. So it really is right. important, even though you were just one piece of this whole company, that that actually mattered. Mm -hmm. Now, now let's talk because you it was really interesting. You said, I learned how to um, be creative with social media. And now, yeah. like, as you know, as of this week and yesterday, I'm just I'm constantly blown away by seeing Sendoso all over the LinkedIn feed, right? It's first, it's seeing Grove Cookie Company. Then it's um, then it's the Senfluencer program. And I'm giving a big shout out to my friend, Alex Bruski here too, because um, oh, I don't I know if you know with Alex, but um, I actually just left him a voicemail yesterday um, saying, uh, 
because he didn't he didn't answer my call. I said, how rude. Must be too, must be, you know, now you're a, a influencer. It must be, you must be too good to talk to me now. Um, so, so if Alex is listening to this one, big shout out to you, buddy. Um, I love I think, him. I think, I think it's really important though, because um, you're using that same creativity now. Like those are two, you know, obviously we're seeing a lot more with like the influencer marketing and some of those kind of trends, mm-hmm. but um, and growth cookie, you know, uh, Grayson is such an un- 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 incredible guy too. Um, but you're, the point is you're taking that same creativity that you learned at that dive bar and you're using it right now to take social media by storm. Yeah. That's- yeah. I mean, the the stuff that we were doing at the dive bar was like, you know, Facebook posting as a bar, you know, it was definitely a lot, um, a lot less intentional for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that there are those transferable skills from that experience of like, okay, if we want people to know about this, we have to shout it from the rooftops. And how can we, you know, not just get us saying it, how can we get our regulars to start promoting this? And, you know, so we would run like random social media things for from the bar and say like, hey, if you bring in two friends tonight, get a free shot on us, you know, things like that, that just drew in a bigger crowd. So I do think that there are elements of that, that I've been able to pull, right? Because if you look at my at my resume, right, in my adult career, there has been no social media experience, right? So there is this is my first time being in charge of a brand social media and it's amazing to hear you say that it's making an impact, right? And so I, that's awesome and I have no experience. I just want to do delightful things with delightful people and it's it's obviously made its mark, so that's really exciting to hear. Yeah, no, and I think it's really important, and this is this is a really important topic because um, just because you're not doing something formally in your job doesn't mean that you can't get that experience somewhere else, right? What's the you know what's the importance or what's a big lesson for other folks of like, hey, maybe I'm just in sales or maybe I'm in somewhere else, but I want to develop those skills because maybe at some point I know I'm passionate about this and I want to do it later. What's your best piece of advice for doing things outside of your job title so you could eventually get to that experience to where you could take that job on full time? Yeah. So this is a great question. Um, I think if you look at that resume, right, you'll see that there have been consistent promotions over three years, right? It's kind of insane how quickly the journey was. And the way that I got those promotions and those jobs was by reaching out to the people that were in charge of what I was interested in, in my org. So if that was marketing, right. And direct mail campaigns, for example, or Sendoso, of course, if it was that, then I would reach out to the people that were in charge of those and say, Hey, I'm really curious about this. How can I get involved in the next project that you're doing? I just want to be, you know, a fly on the wall, seeing what you're, what you're up to, maybe provide some feedback, Right. And that was really, really helpful in actually getting me involved in those processes before I had the job so that I could say, hey, look, I was part of this and it was successful. Here's what I can do next time. Um, So, yeah, I think just like being curious and asking questions and reaching out to those teams within your organization. Now, if you don't have a team within your organization that, you know, is doing those things go look for a course, go talk to people at other companies that are doing what you want to do. I mean, you'd be surprised all these people that seem so, you know, kind of intimidating or scary will lend their time to you and teach you everything that they know. This community will really open its arms to you. And so I've learned so much from people that I admire and respect. And that's been incredibly helpful throughout the journey as well. 
that's an unbelievable point. And it's the importance though, is that people are willing to help. And I notice when, like when you're more specific in what you're actually looking for. Yes. And I think you know, I had uh, Morgan Ingram on, on the podcast. I'm not trying to just drop names, but like, this is the first example that came through. Um, Morgan said, Hey, if somebody says like, Hey, you know, you got, you get a message, you get two different messages. One of them says, um, something like, uh, Hey, you got 15 minutes so I could pick your brain or yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, I know you're really busy building out your, your new company. Congratulations. But with amp, um, however, I'm actually looking to build my own company right now. And what I would love to do is see like, you know, is there any lessons that you have learned throughout this journey that you wish you knew? started. You know, I don't yeah. know if you have any time later on this next week, I'll, I'll be in town, would love to chat or whatever your ask would be then. Which message are you more likely to to answer? Oh, the second one, the one that's way more specific about what you're needing. When you send me the first message, it's just like, and if I have no prior context and you're asking me for 15 minutes of my time, my mind immediately goes to, you are trying to sell me versus like you want to learn, you want to network, you want a coffee chat, right? Like, so I think that there's way better ways to go about it, right? And a lot of the time, if you have a warm intro or a mutual connection to someone that you are inspired by, right? Like leverage that, ask for an intro. That's a really warm way in as well. In a question, you know, you, you said, Hey, I, I reached out to people at different jobs uh, of things that I'm not afraid of, or you just mentioned another reference of, I'm not, I'm just going to go reach out and ask them. That is the biggest barrier, I think, to people actually doing something because they're afraid to go ahead and actually have that ask. So I'd love to understand um, where you'd first developed that. Was it those existing roles of the first jobs you were in? Is it always inherent? Or what's your best piece of advice for somebody who may not necessarily be comfortable with reaching out to somebody that they don't know? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I've always kind of been confident and outgoing. Um, the confidence has developed right as I've, as I've gotten older, but I've always been outgoing. I've never been afraid of talking to people. Now I will say that when I first started posting on LinkedIn, having someone to talk to and text with, I was just texting this person and you just brought them up, right? ever being friends with Morgan Ingram seemed way off base. He's like a LinkedIn celebrity at this point. Right. So, and that's what it feels like. But at the end of the day, you just have to remember that these are human beings. Like everyone is a human being. No one is more special um, than you are. And so everyone just has feelings. And I think it's just all about how you approach it. And you have to make sure that it's not transactional and that you're always giving more than you take. I think another really important thing to highlight about, you know, if you're wanting to reach out to someone that you admire or respect and get that networking time with them, make sure that you're engaging with their content and giving them feedback and sending them articles that you may, that they may be interested in, right? Like things like that, add some value before you're asking anything. I think that that's a really important point there. Yeah. Nobody wants to just deal with somebody who just has their hand out all the time, but if yeah. Recognize, oh, Katie, Katie's awesome. I see that she's posting these things all the time and yada, yada. Like, if you're interacting with those people, you want them to, their first impression to be, oh, that person was trying to help me instead of they just came to me with their hand out. I think right. it says about people. Um, and I think that that's a, a really huge, um, huge takeaway as well. Yeah, now, absolutely. Now, let's talk on the, you know, obviously a big part of your job now is trying to educate your audience. Uh, on why the why it's important to um you know to have these direct campaigns or um you know what what that looks like 
And it turns out that you actually studied education in college. So why did you go, why did you want to go into education in the first place? Yeah. So my dad was a teacher. He was a high school government and economics teacher. So I, I definitely think that that kind of rubbed off on me. I always enjoyed my teachers, you know, growing up and I thought it would just be a really cool career and a really fulfilling career. And so when I was going through college and, um, you know, I actually went to U of H and I didn't do well. I fresh out of high school. I did not do well in college. I was partying. I was in a sorority. I did not have it together. Right. And so my parents were like, look, if we're going to pay for your school, I was very lucky to have that. Um, but they were like, look, if we're going to pay for this, you are not going to continue right now. Uh, we're not paying for this anymore because uh, I wasn't getting good grades. I wasn't going to class. I was partying. It was, you know, and then I had my daughter Riley when I turned 22 and decided to finish my degree as I was a stay at home mom with her. And so I finished that degree, but you know, I was also understanding what it was like to have a small child, right? And my degree was in early childhood education. And so that kind of scared the shit out of me that I would have 22 of these little kids in a classroom and I would be responsible for them all. I thought, you know, obviously teachers are angels because it just seemed way overwhelming. And I was like, look, okay, I don't know. I don't know if this is like the right thing for me. You know, you do kind of sit alongs where you go sit in classrooms and, you know, kind of participate. And I was kind of leaning towards maybe this isn't actually what I want to do, but oh my God, I just finished my degree in this. Like, what am I supposed to do right from here? Um, so it's kind of funny, the transition into sales, I, you know, once I decided that Riley was going to go into daycare, you know, it was time for that. I was just looking at jobs and I scrolled to pass Grubhub and I'm like, I love to eat. I love Grubhub. Like, let me just apply and see what happens. And somehow landed an interview and I actually ended up getting the job. And I, I attribute a lot of that to, my conversational skills and just being able to hold a conversation with the hiring managers and, you know, follow up appropriately, all those things. But then I just fell in love with the world of sales. I mean, I was able to, you know, really communicate with people and, and still take those elements of what I've learned from, you know, the teaching degree into educating buyers and our customers and all the things that I do today, like you mentioned on social media, but also with, with customer training. So it's, it's really translated beautifully. And I think it's so cool. I can already see, and, and hopefully you could start seeing this too in the listeners, like you could see what makes Katie who she is today, right? It's the conversational selling skills that she learned with the gelato and bartending <laughs> and with this background of, Hey, I want to be a teacher. And I went to, because I think one of the biggest characteristic traits of teachers is that they're givers, right? And they want to help other people and, and, and do all those things. Um, you're giving in your, in your gifting and all of those things now in your existing role. So yeah. I think it's really interesting that, um, you know, because, you know, as I was sharing with you earlier and the listeners who, um, who, who check in here, you know, you studied something, you thought that's what you wanted to do. And then you pivoted or had to pivot into the sales world. Right. I did the same thing with exercise science. It's like, I want to be helpful. I want to help people. I want to try to, um, and maybe not intentional now, but I wanted to like help people get healthy, align with their actions to what their goals are. And it, there's so many lessons that I learned from 
that experience that I transferred into the sales world. But a lot of people, and it was really tough for me at first to say, hey, I studied this, but I'm going to go do something completely different. Why did yeah. I study that? Why did I waste all this money? I should have, should have, could have, would have, whatever. But a lot of people face the same problem. So what is your best piece of advice for, you know, when, if you were talking to Katie, um, who was like, I realized that I'm not going to be a teacher and I'm going to go do something else. For students who are in that same situation right now, what's your best piece of advice? I see a kiddo behind you and it's making me so happy. Hi. Um, okay. So my, my piece of advice would, and actually this is something that my mom said to me as I was nearing the end of my degree and I'm freaking out and I'm like, oh my God, this is not what I want to do. I don't want to be a teacher. What do I do? Holy, you know, freaking out. Um, my mom said, just get a degree. No one cares as long as you're not in a specialized field, right? Like specialized fields, of course, like if you're a doctor, you need to get your, you know, um, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I would, you know, I would hope. Um, but like, you know, no one ever questioned if I had a teaching degree versus like a marketing degree. Right. And if you look at most like SDR sales marketing, like if you look at all of most of those job descriptions, they just require a bachelor's degree, right? They don't specify what kind. Um, now, of course, that's that's some companies, etc. But I think that as long as you can shine and show your how you and your skills are transferable, what you got the degree in doesn't really matter as much. I think that the reason companies now ask for bachelor's degrees, et cetera, is to, you know, show that you can stick with something and and get good grades and, you know, kind of be diligent with things. But I mean, ultimately it didn't matter in my journey. I never had to, you know, prove myself and, you know, make the argument that I didn't have a specific degree to, to get a sales job. So. Right. And it doesn't, at the end of the day, the degree, if you're going to go into sales, doesn't really matter. Exactly. <laughs> so like I see your, your, your community mentor for SAS bros, Darren McKee, perfect example. He mm -hmm. never went to college, but he's one of them, you know, he's a really successful guy. And again, it doesn't necessarily need to be that way. It's more right. about skills that you're developing across your career, um, which is a lot more important. Now, yeah. I know we're already flying through the through our time here, but let's talk more about, so you've, so you studied at the education, you went into sales, worked at Grubhub, worked at a couple other roles leading up to what you're doing right now with Sendoso. Mm -hmm. a couple different roles at Sendoso from commercial sending specialist to life cycle marketing all the way to business development, head of business development, and now head of sender relations. Um, what is the, you know, when you think about your progression in your existing role right now, because um, you're obviously in a significantly different role than what you started. What's your best piece of advice of, you know, because what you're showing me is, hey, you stuck with this company for three years. They're doing something that's important. What's your best piece of advice for somebody who wants to work their ranks up through a company? And why have you been so loyal to Sendoso on that specifically? Oh, gosh, I love these questions. Okay, so working your way up, right, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, get involved with what you want to be doing before you're actually doing it. So when I, I'll kind of break this down, right, when I was an SDR at Sendoso, my first major promotion was to a life cycle marketing associate, right, I broke into marketing, and got a role in, in there with no prior experience. That was pretty amazing. And the way that I did that, I knew what I was good at. I was really good at email writing and copywriting, right? So 
I realized that our sequence reply rates were hovering around two to 3%, but I started to write my own SDR outreach and I was getting like, you know, 18 to 26% reply rates. And I'm like, okay, I am now seeing a gap within my organization that I can solve for on a larger scale. And so I pitched, you know, this, and I had already been doing that. I'd already been proving that I could get those reply rates, right? So I pitched the idea to my director of sales development. And I said, look, this is what I've been doing for myself. Imagine what I could do for the entire team, right? Said the same thing to the CRO. Imagine if, you know, instead of just one rep, all, you know, 15 of your reps are getting a 20 to 26% reply rate. What would that mean for your business, right? So, you know, positioned myself in a way where it seems like a no brainer to get there, but the work is required to prove yourself, right? Especially if you don't have that prior experience that people can rely on, you need to show them that you can do it. So that I think is incredibly important. And then when we're talking about you know, why I'm so loyal to Sendoso and why I'm obsessed with this brand. I mean, first of all, the leadership is incredible. If you go and meet Brayden or Chris, our co-founders, they are just insanely caring and thoughtful people who genuinely make you feel appreciated. And that trickles down throughout our entire C-suite and VP suite and, you know, everyone. Um, Everyone's just amazing. And the environment is great. But also like gifting is my love language and it's very important to me. So the fact that I can do that as a job feels like an absolute dream. And I've literally just built relationships with people. I feel like the luckiest human being on earth. That is unbelievable. And I think it's it's really interesting. Um, I was just talking to um, to Tanvira Mustafa as well last week. And um, what he said was that his main goal in life is being able to tie together your passion with your fulfillment and then being able to to find a job that fits into that and it sounds mm-hmm. like you're living that right now which is um which is super it's it's it couldn't be more important for a better life and really um i think one of the cool things here is that when you're talking about your your co-found the the founders it just sounds like they're just good human beings yeah and i know it's really important for you to talk about um trying to really put more of like the human first approach before deals or anything else why is the human side of things so important for you? And why, where are companies missing that boat? Oh my gosh, there's so many companies missing it and just not prioritizing it. And I think it's because they just don't think it's important when it comes to you know the bottom line, which is revenue. But human relationships are at the core of everything, right? And it's actually statistically supported. Customers and prospects who are emotionally connected to a brand have a 306% higher lifetime value and they recommend brands at a much higher rate, 71% versus 45%. So building these relationships is literally the foundation for a good working relationship moving forward. I mean, if you don't have a friendship or a connection at some point, then, you know, I mean, the next time your competitor lowers their prices, they're out the door right? You need to give them a reason to to want to stay and to give them that support and the attention that they need. And, you know, I think about it from a branding standpoint versus like a customer standpoint, you know, on LinkedIn, before I got into this role, we never really prioritized LinkedIn. We were one of those brands that just posted like, hey, we're having this webinar on this date, come. 
or, you know, our CEO is going to be at this place. Come. It was very boring. There was no like value adding. There was no engaging on other people's posts. Um, but now we've taken this approach where we are, our leadership team is posting pretty vulnerable things where we failed along with where we won, um, you know, sharing life experiences and learnings. And that's establishing genuine trust within our brand. And if people trust your brand and see your brand regularly, they're more likely, at least for us, to say, you know, whenever someone asks about direct mail, our name is going to be the first that comes to mind. And that's so important and so underrated. So I think people just need I, to reevaluate. I couldn't agree with that more. And I think that I'm not saying that the sending space is commoditized whatsoever, but the difference to your point, if people are going to come back and be loyal to it, is the brand and the people caring about it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what leader would say that they don't want higher revenue, lifetime revenue, or higher referrals to achieve their business. And it sounds like it's just a little bit more human. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now let's talk about the, um, the, the life experiences here as we're starting to wrap up. Um, you know, one of the big things that you pride yourself on is being a working mother and yeah. you were, you were talking and even before, um, it's a perfect example of, um, before we started recording, um, Katie, let me know, Hey, both kids are home right now. I have, uh, you know, and one screaming, one's kicking. We're trying to get them all taken care of. And I actually started to interview her daughter, um, coming up here too, which I wish I would have hit record on, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe in the future. Um, but you know, you, you really pride yourself on these life experiences and really being a working mother. What is the biggest, um, in, in being able to harness chaos, right? What's yeah. the biggest from being a mother, uh, I guess when we're talking about transferable skills from being a working mother to how you could relate some of those skills inside the workforce. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so many things. Um, I think dealing with emotions, like other people's emotions and being able to, you know, bring everyone down to, to a good place. Um, I think that's huge. I think also chaos, right? When life and work feel chaotic, you can kind of handle that a bit better and, you know, kind of prioritize, okay, what's important, what can maybe fall onto the back burner for now, what needs to be addressed this second, right? I think mothers are just really, really good at quick and, and fathers quick and easy, like priority prioritization, right? I think that that's massive. Also, I think parents and working mothers just genuinely have this sense of care, right? Natural sense of care. They care about others. They care about, you know, their, their friends in the community. They care about their customers, their prospects, right? So, those soft skills we're seeing have a much bigger impact today, right? As buyers are like just leaning into buyer fatigue because they're being hounded with like automation and AI right now, they want to be cared for, not just like getting an email that's relevant to them and their company, but also to them as a human. So I think that moms kind of have a little bit of that naturally, maybe not even a little bit, a lot of that, you know, naturally. Oh no, a lot, a lot of that. And you yeah. could, you could totally say mothers a lot more than fathers. I will be that example. My wife <laughs> trying to be inclusive of that. I understand, but let's put it, let's put the facts straight. Um, you know, especially just talking from my situation, my wife, um, she was a stay at home mother for a little bit for, for our kids. And like, I actually interviewed her on my pod, on the podcast, which was really fun, but we yeah. got to talk about some of those experiences of, Hey, when you go, this was before she went back into the workforce. It was um like, what skills are you taking right now? And how are you going to transfer them into 
what you do next. And it's, yeah. it's management, it's prioritization. Like you said, it's um, project management, right? Like if you're yeah. going on a trip with kids, you need to have a spreadsheet of every single thing that you need. And you really need to make sure that what that looks like. So there's so many skills that we could, we could jump into, but you're hundred yeah. percent right with the, the mothers in their in, intuitive uh, thing. So shout out to my wife on that. Shout out to you and all of the other uh, working mothers. And I'll throw it into the fathers as well. Um, because I think um, it is, it is really tough to be able to manage um, life and work a lot of the time um, and really thinking outside of yourself. So I think that um, I think working parents, especially um, really have that skill too. Yeah. Um, I think we're, we're wrapping up now with time. So the final question I'd love to ask every single guest on the show, if you were teaching a college 101 course based upon all of your previous life and work experience, what would you teach and why? Ooh, uh, channeling imposter syndrome. I think that would be it. And I think that would be it because I've dealt with that a lot. I think, you know, first of all, I would do that instead of gifting because, you know, gifting, I will talk about all day, any, any day. Um, but I would want this to be kind of a more broad, helpful, like mental health topic. And, you know, I think mental, mental health is incredibly important, but imposter syndrome, you know, everyone is always talking about how you can overcome it and it's something that goes away. And in my experience, it isn't you can just learn how to channel that feeling and understand that when you're feeling it, it's actually growth and it's okay to lean into it and to, you know, embrace it. Right. And so I would love to, to talk for days about how you can do that and how you can, you know, just get through it and actually use it as a tool for growth. So the hardest things that we go through in life are typically the biggest opportunities for growth. And really being able to understand that it's so tough in the moment, but once you go through hard things and you realize I can get through that and the growth that happens on the other side of that is going to be worth it. That's what I always like to think about when I'm going through hard times. And it sounds like you have a, a pretty similar thought process there too. Yeah. Um, this has been unbelievable. Where could people learn more about you and everything else you have going on besides my LinkedIn feed? Oh man. I mean, LinkedIn is pretty much where I live. Um, so go there. And then, you know, if you guys are interested in, in gifting, we do have a free PLG. If you want to try it out, check out Sendoso.com. Um, but other than that, if you want to like get to know me, pop in my DMS on LinkedIn, ask for a coffee chat. I am always down to do that. And, um, you know, maybe we can get a course on overcoming imposter syndrome going soon. We'll see. Yes. I would absolutely subscribe to that. And I think everybody else would as well. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. Thanks for having me.